that we're really extending that, that ability to affirm out into the community. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly, a podcast produced by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, Ohio's largest and longest standing organization serving and supporting LGBTQ plus youth and young adults in Ohio. Um, we'll go ahead and do some introductions. I'm Daria, I use she, they pronouns, and I'm the Ohio GSA Network Manager. I'm Lane, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager. And I'm Amanda, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Director of Education and Outreach. Awesome. And last week, I want to circle back to when Lane mentioned getting a new little furry friend for our add-on question today. Um, all of us have cats, so let's just chit-chat about, about them a little bit. I just want to unpack this. Tell me a little bit about your, your new bud. Uh, Opal is her name. She's a tabby cat. Most often, I call her trash cat. <laughs> she, can, she can be found in one of my four trash cans hmm. um, seeking treasure. Yeah, Daria brought this thing into my life. <laughs> you asked for it. I did a favor. <laughs> you really did, because I was like, I don't want to take her to a shelter. I need someone to take her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you did. And now my arms and hands are covered in scratches. Yeah. Isn't she so nice? What? That's how it works. <laughs> I would just like to say on behalf of all dog people uh, that dogs are, in fact, better. Wow. I disagree. Yeah. I... My dad has two dogs. I did, and one of which I also found um, as a stray. You gotta stop doing that. I do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have a cat, Aristotle, that I adopted two years ago. Um, and he's a little angel. He's just a little flame point Siamese cat. So he's like a little white cat with like little peachy spots. And all he wants to do is hang out and get picked up and cuddle. And he'll wake me up in the middle of the night. He has the longest whiskers ever. So huge whiskers. And he will just like wake me up in the middle of the night, sitting, staring like right at me. And his whiskers are just in my face. And I'm just like, what are you doing, sir? Um, That's horrifying. It is a little scary. <laughs> he has very like human eyes too. I'm like, there's a person in there. <laughs> but I love him. I do love him still. I currently have two cats. Um, we adopted May on purpose in 2018. <laughs> this was intentional. And when we adopted May, who is a silver tabby, um, they told us she wants to be an only cat. She doesn't get along with other cats. And we said, that's fine. We're only ever going to have one pet. Um, but if you know anything about cats, you know that they find you. Um, and other cats keep adopting us as their humans, <laughs> um, which has brought some conflict to May's life. Um, so right now we also have Margot, who's a, a one and a half year old tortoiseshell. And the two of them do not get along. Um, so we live in a big old farmhouse, and May is imprisoned in the upper floor. Um, and it's not allowed. <laughs> like out. Rapunzel. Yeah, basically. And then Margot is indoor outdoor, but indoor only on the first floor. So mm. the two of them can't mingle. And when they do accidentally mingle, it's like all out cat fight oh, wow. war. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. I didn't so, know they didn't get along. We're working on it. <laughs> you're living like you're living like a double life as a parent. Yeah, it's like, a work in progress. You're definitely. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho's okay. So today we're going to talk to you guys uh, a little bit about back to school everything. Um, there's a lot that's been going on nationally and then statewide as well when it comes to like students' rights, how teachers can support students. Um, also, back to school time is ramping up your GSA for the year, getting all that information and stuff updated. Um, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about what we offer when it comes to in-person and online trainings for young people, for professional development, and all of that good jazz. 
So if you haven't picked up on this, um, you're going to be hearing everything education and outreach, which is our department. The best one, arguably. (laughs) (laughs) We love all of our departments. We do. We love them so much. Uh, (laughs) We're just really cool. Um, but you guys know Lane and I pretty well. Um, but we want to get you familiar with our boss, Amanda, who has yet to fire us. What? Hey, we now have that on recording. Great. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. May, okay, keep that in the keep podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get to know Amanda a little bit better. Um, why don't you tell them how long you've been here at KYC? Yeah, um, so I started at KYC in November 2017. So I'm closing out my sixth year wow. with Kaleidoscope wow. Youth Center. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Wow. Wow. That's all at the time when our staff was approximately a quarter the size that it is now today. Ah. Mm-hmm. So now that we've expanded so much and yeah. you have a department of three, sure do. Uh, what, it, what, what do we do with our yeah. time? What is education <laughs> and outreach? So our goal in education and outreach is to take that safe space that we've cultivated within the drop-in center, within our center programming, and extend it out into the rest of the community. And we do that through education for professionals who work with young people, for families who are interested, outreach to schools, making sure that youth are able to advocate for themselves, Um, but just ensuring that all of the other spaces that our young people are moving through on a daily basis are safe and affirming for them. So a lot of times young people come to KYC after school, y'all have heard folks say this about like how terrible their day has been. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's, you know, what a family member said to them this morning when they woke up. Maybe it's something the bus driver said to them about what they were wearing or who they were sitting with or whose hand they were holding or any number of little things. Um, Things other kids are saying in the hallway, what teachers are saying to them or not saying to them, whether or not teachers are using correct pronouns, for example. Um, And all of that really adds up. And Kaleidoscope is often the only place that young people feel like they can be their authentic selves. And so we wanna make sure that young people are getting the opportunity to have those experiences outside of our walls, that teachers know how to support LGBTQ young people in their classrooms, um, and that we're really extending that that ability to affirm out into the community. Definitely. That's awesome. We're so cool. We are so, so (laughs) look at us. (laughs) Yeah, and so in terms of that, and again with like the expansion now with three people um, being in this department, what are you excited about when it comes to our future education outreach endeavors? Yeah. Um, so when I started with Kaleidoscope, um, we got a few training requests once in a while, maybe like one or two per month. They would come in through just the general info email account and we would bring them together as a staff and say, okay, who wants to go speak to this group? Right. Um, at some point, the way that departments kind of evolved, I took on all of those opportunities. Um, and that was around the same time that public culture shifted to wanting that education and wanting to learn more. And our training requests really went through the roof. So that's how we've been able to build to now a department of three, is that there are so many folks out there who want this kind of training that we need all of us to be able to provide it. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of what we've done in the past two years is built an online platform where people can access that education on their own. So rather than needing 
their work or some organization that they're involved with to bring us in as a guest speaker live for 90 minutes to two hours, they can access that information on their own time online in a self-facilitated way. So we've been using an online platform that we've put videos and PDFs and discussion prompts on um, where folks can really access that information. Um, so our LGBTQ 101 course is already live on that platform. Um, we're working on getting some of our other information up there related to best practices for working with LGBTQ youth, things like that. And then Lane has been working on a whole series, which they call Bits and Bobs. Um, <laughs> so if you want to tell folks a little bit about that, I think it's really cool. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of background. I am an English major, and now I'm an animator. So... <laughs> It took a while, but through the very gracious help of Amanda and her patients, I was able to kind of... I mean, I don't know how to animate things. Well, so. you, you, were, you waited for me to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. Uh, but they're basically five to ten minute little videos talking about maybe identities that don't get their fair share of the limelight or just general topics, kind of language use. They're just short informational videos, and below each video on the Teachable course, we have lots of resources. So reading lists, movie lists, um, other organizations to check out for each kind of special identity. So that's all up and running and ready to go. And they're so fun. They are so fun to watch, honestly. <laughs> Jerry is our biggest fan. I am. Uh, uh, what can I say? I didn't do anything for uh, <laughs> OK, wait. I, You're in one of them. I was in one of them. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, though, I didn't really. <laughs> One of the really, really cool things those. about those videos, too, is that they're all accessible by individuals and they a lot of them can be accessed for free. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we've noticed over the past year or so is with the general political climate of our country, of our state, uh, we're seeing more and more school districts, organizations that are less willing to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and less willing to have conversations about gender and sexuality as it pertains to young people. Um, in a lot of cases, like administrators are just afraid of a small minority of community members that are, mm -hmm. you know, showing up at school board meetings mm -hmm. and complaining about various inclusion efforts in the classroom. Um, and from that, we're getting fewer training requests. And so yeah. we are not doing nearly as much training in terms of professional development within our local schools now in 2023 that they, we were last year or the year before. So with this stuff being accessible online, any teacher who's like, hey, I'm interested in learning about this, but my school won't bring in a guest speaker to talk about it, now you can access it. It's there for you to do your own education. You can share it with other folks. Um, and you know our, our larger courses are listed at um, a $25 price point, but if cost is a barrier, you can also email us and we'll send you a coupon code so that you can access that. Because we wanna make sure that everybody is getting that education and our young people are being served in the best way possible when they're at school. Yeah. Hey boss, how do you how do you request a training? Oh my gosh, thanks so much for asking. <laughs> um, if you go to our website at kycohio.org slash education, um, you will find all of the information about our department and the services we offer. There is a training request form that you can complete um, that just provides basic information about who you're requesting this training for, what topic you're interested in, the dates that you're available, what kind of budget you're working with, um, and that will come through to us and we will get it scheduled for you. Yeah.
There's also a button on that same website um, that goes to our online platform if you want to access those individual self-facilitated courses instead. Yeah, yeah. and uh, one thing Amanda mentioned is you can kind of specify what you are looking for in your training. So we have so many new trainings. Since Amanda's built this department from the ground up, we oh, have yeah. so many offerings. So what are those? So we can start with kind of an LGBTQ 101, but we do encourage folks to check out the virtual course for that because that's some basic information that really at the end of the day could be Googleable. Um, <laughs> and then we have cultivating affirmation and belonging for LGBTQ youth, which really focuses on those best practices for serving youth in the classroom, in the therapy office, in the library, wherever you are, we can kind of tailor that discussion to that organization. Um, Lane also developed a training about cultivating safe and affirming home environments for LGBTQ youth, which is perfect for parents, um, foster care agencies, anybody working with families and that sort of construct. Um, we're working hard to develop a training that focuses more on intersectionality and racial justice, and that should be available coming up in 2024. Um, what else do we have? We also have legislation. So we can talk about the anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ legislation that is going through the Ohio State House right now. Um, that includes a testimony writing workshop. So if you've noticed things on the news that you're like, wow, that's really horrible. I'm not sure what to do about it. We can help you figure out what to do about it um, and, and teach you how to write to your legislators um, to have those conversations and, and let them really know what you're supporting and what you're not supporting. Yeah. Yeah. And you might be thinking a lot of these trainings sound geared towards adults. Is that all education outreach does? No, that's what I do. <laughs> um, no. So we do have these trainings and I mean, they can be for like, we've done trainings at colleges with like college aged, um, like young adults. And then you get the professional development trainings with the 50 and 60 year olds. But also, um, we've done different trainings or like open to the public things at like libraries where we'll go talk the gender unicorn or an LGBT 101, things like that. Um, and I go into the libraries and engage with the young people there. We have GSA visits, which I do at any school that is registered with KYC um, and has a GSA club or just wants to have like literally this morning, I just went and did like a general assembly and talked about KYC and kind of what we do and what we offer. I just want to pause there and emphasize how scary it would be to be an LGBTQ speaker at a, like a middle school, a middle school. rally <laughs> or the, the queer middle school student sitting in the oh. rally. That's what I would, the whole time that I was there, I was literally just picturing like me at 12 years old in middle school being like, oh my God, like a queer adult and being like, do people, unicorn. literally, and then being like, do people realize like how I'm feeling about this situation and can they tell that I'm queer? <laughs> like just like that hyper like awareness um but yeah so like you know that's always an option too if there are young people that are interested in this information um it's absolutely accessible like whether you do that online in your own time or if you want to have somebody come out i am more than happy to if i can sit through an assembly with 300 middle school youth and how intimidating that is i can absolutely chat you up for 20 minutes yeah. at a GSA at a GSA visit. Do you want to tell us more about GSAs? What does the what is it? What does it, it even mean? 
<laughs> um, so GSAs, for those who don't know, uh, GSA stands for Gender Sexuality Alliance. Um, they tend to be after school um, clubs. Sometimes they'll be during like lunch times, um, but it's pretty much a space um, that is shared for LGBTQ plus people to come talk about their lived experiences. They can work together to try and create an affirming space in their school to seek change, to advocate uh, for their like local school community or their local community around them. Um, and it's just a great place to be in community because it's hard being a queer person. It's hard being a queer young person in schools, especially if like your GSA is the only place that like you can feel affirmed in. Um, and yeah, GSAs can be set up in a lot of different ways. Some of them are just social. It's purely just a time to come sit and be like, lunch was really hard today. I was sitting with a lot of people make, making mean, like homophobic jokes. And like, that was really hard and seeking support there. Um, or it could be like a school-based advocacy. Like we want to see like gender neutral bathrooms or all gender bathrooms in schools. Or it can be, wow, the whole state of Ohio <laughs> really has a lot of issues. Like we want to do some testimony writing together in this club. Um, so it can look like a number of different things. Um, but all of them, like have their their own place and all are just as valid as the other. Um, but yeah, they're, they've been around for ages and we specifically at KYC work with like any GSA in Ohio that wants to register with us and also connect them to the national network of GSAs um, because everybody is doing amazing work all across the country, even if you can't necessarily see it. And so that's why it's really nice to be connected to KYC to see what's happening in the state and nationwide. Like when I, I mentioned in the last podcast going to national gathering, um, and I learned so much about what's happening in New Mexico and Arkansas. And I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for like the GSA network connecting us. And so it can be the same opportunity for young people too. So speaking of amazing work, Dari they're, one of the benefits of registering with the Ohio GSA network is that you can access Daria's GSA curriculum. So why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, so this year I wanted to try something a little different um, and make, I last year when I started in this role, I heard a lot of the same things that were issues when I was in a GSA, which was that the GSA had advisor um, wants to help facilitate, but doesn't necessarily want to take control of this GSA. They don't want to be in charge of what is happening in the meetings. They don't want to be in charge of what the young people are talking about. And Which then, is great because any GSA should be student run. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And it's hard for middle and high schoolers to have the time or even like the experience in facilitating group meetings. Like when I was, I did not know how to facilitate a club meeting. Um, and even like what we want to learn and how we want to set that up because you have the ACT and SAT and tests and homework and you're busy. Um, so it was a lot of that back and forth of like the young people, not necessarily having the capacity and the advisors not having the capacity or the desire to control a youth led club. Um, so I figured we could help everybody out a little bit. And um, with KYC, we have a number of resources, but the GSA network nationally also has a ton of resources online. Um, and so I kind of wanted to cut the middleman of um, the youth advisors or the youth uh, leaders or the advisors having to go online and figure out what different materials they can use and what like, I like when is coming out day and what can we do for that? So this whole curriculum has a list of everything that's happening um, throughout each month and it's set for the first half of the school year. So it's from 
August to December, and every week is listed out with different activities that you can choose to use, and it is not mandatory if you register with us. You can opt in or out of it, but that way, if you realize your club meeting is tomorrow and you have nothing planned, you can just pull that up and look at what we have listed and kind of just follow along with it if you're so inclined, um, which I know when I was in a GSA would have been so beneficial because there were so many times we had no clue what we were gonna do. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so that's new, and if you like it, awesome, and if you don't, that sucks. <laughs> you will like it. You will. It's kind of fun. It's great. <laughs> so we've mentioned a few times that the state of legislation in Ohio is a little tricky. What's going on with that? <laughs> What's happening in schools with LGBTQ rights? What isn't going on, <laughs> I think, is the question. Um, so it's a lot of kind of just like a continuance of what was happening last year. Um, specifically, a big thing last school year was with um, the school board, um, like the, the state board of education um, in Ohio that said they pretty much didn't want to be in compliance with Title IX, which updated the policy, the anti-discrimination policy um, to include um, sexual orientation and gender identity. The Ohio State Board of Education was like, ah, no, <laughs> we don't agree with that, which they have no legal power over. Right, because they're, what they're basically saying is that Ohio schools don't have to follow a federal policy or federal mm -hmm. guidance, which doesn't really hold much water. Yeah. That's not how things work. It, yeah. So really <laughs> it was more just, you know, putting that kind of attitude and language out into the world, into the public sphere, um, and, and making the climate of schools a little bit worse for LGBTQ folks. Right. Because like that was a hard blow for our young people to see adults outwardly saying it's fine for like in their opinion, they say it's fine for people to discriminate against you. Mm -hmm. Um, and also you have teachers who might want to be affirming, not know what this means for them. They don't know if like, if the State Board of Education is saying this, what does that mean for my job? I don't want to lose my job. I don't know what to do. Does this have legal weight? Do I follow the State Board or my school board policy? Do I follow federally? Um, and so there was just a lot of confusion with that. And so it was hard for young people, um, I think, to see what the State Board was doing and then also the repercussions of the uncertainty with their affirming teachers in school as well. And that uncertainty is really one of the biggest consequences of all of the political talk of our age right now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the anti-trans legislation that we talk about, um, none of it has become law yet in Ohio. Like we're constantly talking about anti-LGBTQ bills that folks are talking about, um, that folks are discussing, that there are committee meetings about, but none of those have actually passed. Um, and so what that results in is school boards, superintendents, school administrators, who are not sure exactly what's law and what's not, mm -hmm. who are trying to anticipate what may pass in the future. And as a result, we have school boards and, and local administrators that have kind of taken those attitudes into their own hands and created their own harmful policies ahead of time, not waiting for the legislators to actually like make a final decision. So we have local school districts that have created really harmful policies around whether or not students can use chosen names or pronouns in the classroom, um, forcing teachers to out students to their parents, which is really harmful when parents are not affirming, um, and telling teachers they can't 
can't do things like ask her pronouns in the classroom, that they can't use specific, um, really affirming and inclusive curricular materials in their classroom, that they can't read a book about a kid that has two moms, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing these really specific policies come down in local districts. Um, and then teachers really have to choose between like, do I want to affirm my students or do I want to follow this district policy? We get a lot of emails that are like, how do I do both? Right? How do yeah. I follow this policy and not get in trouble and also affirm my trans students and let them know that they belong in my classroom? And the answer is you can't really do both. You have to kind of make a decision on how far you're going to go and where your line is going to be. And that's really tough for a lot of people. We get it. And that's 2023. That's where we're at right now. Right. And yeah, there's a couple things I want to mention with that. Also, yeah, I've had some teachers talk about those policies um, that are either happening in their school or coming up kind of in their district. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is making sure that all of your for teachers to affirm their students, um, making sure that all of their students are able to give informed consent. So I think it's really important if you have a policy at your school or in your district where you will have to out a student to their parents if they say, I want to go by a different name, I want to go by these pronouns, make it very clear. Put it in your syllabi that that is a policy because yes, you want your young people to feel safe with you, but they deserve to know what those repercussions are before they come tell you that they want to go by a different name and pronouns. And then you're in a, between a rock and a hard place and you have to then tell their parents. So just making sure that they have that, um, knowledge. And then also important for students to know, um, we've seen a lot of GSAs kind of deteriorate during, I mean, just generally with the, the climate, um, but kind of deteriorate because of these new policies. It's up in the air. A lot of teachers are like, does if, if we have to start outing our students, what does that mean for a GSA after school? What does that mean for a lunchtime GSA? Currently, um, any school that receives federal funding, so let's say any secondary school, so middle and high school, public school receives federal funding, um, and they have any extracurricular clubs at all. They could have a tabletop gaming club. They could have a chess club, a after school improv group, whatever. If they have any club at all, they are required to allow you to have a GSA. That is under the Equal Access Act. Um, any after school club, if there is a young person that then wants to have a GSA, if there is an interest, a youth interest, they have to allow you to do that. And if they are not, send me an email at, <laughs> yeah, give us a call. Send me an email at daria at kycohio.org and I will gladly email them and let them know that they have to let you have one. <laughs> So let's say we have someone listening who has or works in a district where those policies are really tough and they have to out students um, or they're not allowed to include LGBTQ themes in their assignments. What's kind of what's what are some quiet ways that they could show their allyship? I mean, put a pronoun pin on your lanyard, put up a safe space poster in your room. And again, those are some things that we also see people being like combated with. But like even in your introduction, like, just be like, hi, I miss XYZ. My pronouns are whatever. And just leave it at that. So that way they like queer people see it. We see that. You know what I mean? Like a light bulb goes off. Yeah. Right. And students are like, oh, this teacher knows what pronouns are. Low bar. But now I know. <laughs> teacher knows what pronouns are. And so if I talk to them about whatever issues I'm having, 
maybe they're willing and able to help me with it. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I think it's a lot of those like little tiny, like classroom things mm -hmm. like, yeah, put up a safe space poster. Also, I mean, make sure that it's in your syllabus or somewhere posted in your classroom that like discrimination is not allowed or acceptable in any form. Um, no matter what horrible policies your district yeah. is putting in place. So another way that teachers can support youth, um, is by practicing anti-adultism, which is something that I don't think a lot of people discuss in schools. I think that's also kind of an issue that we have in schools and that a lot of our young people bring up is just the idea that they are not necessarily being respected because they are young. Yeah. Or if a young person is coming out at like, let's say 12, adults are like, well, you don't know. You don't like, how, how are you supposed to know you're so young? Um, and I think it's really important for teachers in order to support their young people is to listen to them and to believe them because they are the expert in their own identity. Um, they will always know themselves better than you do as their teacher for a year. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love teachers and teachers are amazing, but every individual knows themselves better than anyone else could. And I think that's a really important thing for teachers to remember, especially in that kind of school setting teacher student relationship. Mm -hmm. If you are interested in learning more about any of the topics that we've talked about today, please take a look at our website, um, www.kycohio.org education. You'll find all of our trainings listed as well as our online content. Um, if you are interested in giving back to KYC, we have many volunteer opportunities. You can find that on the volunteers page of the website, um, or you could go to kycohio.org donate and give a one-time donation or join our unity circle. And your contributions will help us continue to support LGBTQ youth in our community. Yeah, and if you have any questions or comments or ideas for future podcasts, feel free to email Mallory at Mallory at KYCOhio.org and follow us on social media, all of which are KYCOhio. Um, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.